Chargers 37, Giants 21. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I am your co-host, Justin Panic, alongside my other co-host, the Football Grump. Um, Grump, I got to read off some things to start, and then I'm going to throw it to you. So the New York Football Giants are officially 4-9. Uh, they are going to officially finish this season with the losing record. It's the fifth straight season that the Giants are going to have a losing record, fifth straight losing season, eight. Out of the nine last years have been losing seasons. Eight out of the last nine. First time with five straight losing seasons since 1976 to 1980, which I feel like as the years have kind of gone on and as we've tried to weigh and evaluate how bad is this recent stretch of Giants football, you know, the time that we always go back to is the the 70s, you know, whether it's the early 70s or, you know, the mid-70s to early 80s, you know, before Bill Parcells came. And I think, you know, now it is very much officially... Very fair to compare the Giants from 70s and the time where George Young was forced upon this franchise to where we are right now. Grump, Giants lost big today. How you doing? Where are you at, my friend? Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Um, if there's one thing that I'm happy about today, it's to join you in talking about this game rather than <laughs> stew in misery by myself or annoy my girlfriend with it. So... Um, yeah, everything you said, it's a sad state of affairs, but it is the current state of affairs for this team. What I will say, though, is that this game, once you start talking about a quarterback being out, you're really just looking at uh, situationally, game by game, it's just tough. Now, there's things we're going to break down in this game that are inexcusable, but season again this year, you look at the earlier games of winnable games, Denver, Atlanta, that Washington game. Those were the games where they should have been ahead of the chains here with their winning record. And instead they're behind and they will not get ahead of their chains at the end of the season. And they've solidified themselves as another losing season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's those games, it, it, no matter when you have a losing season, it's, it's those games in September and October that hurt the most. Now you can't be, like, I look at this game and I'm not, like, frustrated and mad that the Giants lost this game. Because, you know, like you said, without the quarterback, without Daniel Jones, it the evaluation and what we were really looking for post-Jason Garrett, it's it's not there. And, Jason, and Daniel Jones is that main point of evaluation of, like, this is why we really want to watch to see how Jones looks with something that's different. But I, I, I will say this. I'm a little bit hot today when looking at the tendencies of what this offense is now doing with Freddie Kitchens, with kind of this Joe Judge collaboration where Freddie Kitchens isn't even the offense coordinator. You know, he's the play. He's, he's just the a play, play caller. The offensive coordinator position, as kind of, you know, kind of described by Joe Judge, has it is a collaboration. And to see that this game, there were plays to be made, there were opportunities to be had, especially in the first half and especially with running the ball, I'm a little hot considering that those opportunities were not expanded upon. Um, I'm a little hot that Sterling Shepard only receives four targets in a game where he returns. Um, I'm a little hot that, yes, Kenny Galladay gets eight targets. He gets two catches. Now, I think that's a little bit more of a Mike Lennon conversation rather than a play calling and a Freddie Kitchens and tendencies conversation. But I'm running a little hot knowing that Giants were running the ball very well throughout the entire day, but especially when the game mattered and that was in the first half. Um, you know, and there are certain situations in which we can talk about in this game where 
In passing situations, the Giants are running the ball. In running situations, the Giants are throwing it, you know, and, and, and vice versa with each other. So we'll get to some specific stuff, but that's where I'm at right now. And that's why I'm hot right now when thinking about Joe Judge, when thinking about Kitchens. Not necessarily that we lost the game, but just because of tendencies. Yeah, I think when you have a quarterback out, the one thing that we could um, without anything hindering us was to grade Joe Judge's performance in this game. I mean, there's nothing, you know, there's not a whole lot we can look at the offense and be like, well, this was a perfect scenario and they screwed it up. There's not one thing about the offense where you can look at it and say that. But you can look at this whole game as a Joe Judge grading game perfectly fine. And uh, I guess the one positive is I don't feel like he wasted a single timeout in this game. I don't really <laughs> – I mean, the two-minute situation at the end of the second half was about as bad as you can draw it up, but I don't think that any of that really falls on Judge unless we're going to critique the play calling for the drive where they got the ball back. But I mean, and, and, I mean and it, that's – I don't know. Is that positive? Yeah, I guess not. Ha- having timeouts at the end and having an opportunity to put points on the board at the end of the half, but it, 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 it that is just a sign of a much larger problem where what, – what do they say in the broadcast? 57 to nothing? That's the point differential in mm. the final couple minutes of the of the half this entire year. Uh, yeah, we've we've never scored in the in the final two minutes or final four minutes, I think, of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've allowed something like fifty six points or something, something absurd. And I think before this game, the point differential in the second quarter was minus fifty nine. In the first quarter, it's minus one. In the second quarter, it's minus 59. And then in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, it gets progressively worse from there, too. Um, you know, and, and seeing that from Anthony Reinhardt's mm. uh, a page on Twitter that I really like, and seeing that really puts in perspective this this giant season of, you know, first quarter, the you know, the game is there. And, and I kind of, produ- I, I don't know if we talked about it on the preview pod, but I was with Dan Schneider and Nick Filato, and I said, I think this Chargers game is going to go a lot like the, the Rams game where it'll be close in the first quarter and then teams just pull away in the second quarter. And that's just how, you know, good teams have been able to play against the giants. And that's just how, you know, the, these games have, have gone for them. So. I would say this one felt even worse than that. Uh, like defensively, it felt like the loss of uh, a Dory Jackson, maybe weighed a little bit more on Patrick Graham and the way he decided to draw up the defense. They didn't feel very aggressive. They felt very soft. It almost felt more like the defense from the Tampa game to me. Um, it's just that we weren't facing the same level of offensive proliferation with Justin Herbert not being Tom Brady and with Keenan Allen not being active. Yeah. So it felt very soft defensively. This game fell over very quickly. All right, let's start off officially on the offensive side of the ball. You want me to take the first crack at it? You yeah, you take the first crack at it before I before I start get ripping about some 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 stuff. So this is kind of cool. You and I run totally different styles of podcast. I try not to record or do much right after the game. And I try to let things settle. And then I will rewatch one or two times very, very closely keying in on certain things. And, um, you know, by then I've cooled down and I can analytically and objectively look at things. So, you know, without that, I really just kind of have notes from live gameplay and, Right from the beginning and all the way through the game, all I kept seeing was that there were actually decent running lanes. And it was one of the things that we pointed out. And we pointed out two things, right? I mean, there was there was a weakness at corner with Asante Samuel Jr. not going to be available. But there's certainly history shows with this Chargers team that they're not very good against the run. And 
when you have a backup quarterback in, I don't care what the weakness is at corner. If you are able to move the ball on the ground, then you should be running with that until it fails. And I think more than anything, what frustrated me isn't necessarily that they got away from the run. It's that they were very predictable when they did get away from the run. You know, you run two times and you get seven yards and then you run a third time and it's a no gain and you see the whole personnel shift on the offense. You see a whole new group of guys come out there and we run four wide or something like that with an empty set. I mean, it doesn't get any more obvious that we've just, we're not going to run on this play. We are going to run on this play. And the fact is, is it was pretty obvious when we were going to run and we were still able to get net positive out of it. I don't know why in this matchup, we decided that Mike Glennon offered us the best chance to win a game. And it's strange having to reverse my normal argument of throw down the field, <laughs> but I am, I would say even more than you and even more than Bobby, I'm more of a, a fan of the run game personally. Uh, I think it's an easier thing in terms of um, getting everybody on the same page. And that really is the only consistent thing I've seen from this offense all year is that they are just, the timing is off for all 11 guys on every single play. Not There's one guy at least that's off on timing every single play and it kills them. And for most of this game, it felt like it was Glennon, which we decided to keep the ball in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the run game was working. And when I'm not a fan of running the ball is when teams and NFL teams try and just stick to the run and quote unquote establish the run when there's nothing to establish because it's not working. And that has been the Giants this entire season. It's been the Giants this entire season. And the one game where you can kind of prove like, hey, this approach can work. This approach, you know, not even that it's right and that you win the game, but this approach, we can sustain some drives. We can we can get on the opposite side of the 50-yard line. We can do some things here. The opportunity to do it was this game, and it showed early on where Barkley was being efficient. Booker was being efficient. And like I said, the I'm mad at the tendencies where there were situations where the Giants should be throwing the ball, but they're running. There's a third and two, the first drive of the game, where you're running the ball kind of at will to start, and you throw the ball, and you put the hand, and you put the game in Mike Lennon's hands, and you're at midfield, you throw the ball, and you don't go for it on fourth down. So that's a Joe Judge thing. It was a beautiful combination of being pissed off at Freddie Kitchens for not running the ball on third and short when you're supposed to on a third and two, and then not taking advantage of running the ball well, not taking advantage of being at midfield, not taking advantage of moving the ball well, and punting and losing all momentum. Well, that punt right at the beginning is probably my biggest knock on Joe Judge for this entire game. Um I mean, right there, it's more of what we've seen all year of just being ultra conservative. We've shown time and time again that they can pick up two yards. Um, I think the babying of this offensive line and pretending that it's worse than it is or, or just trying to protect every play from the offensive line, screwing it up, is a philosophy that already admits failure. Um, I, we all understand this offensive line is bad, but at a certain point, you've got to put some level of trust in it. At a certain point, you have to understand you can't run max protect on every play. Um, you know, the, the punt early on, I, I, I have to be honest, that's kind of where like mentally I kind of shut off right at that point. Oh, like, yeah. well, we're doing this again. Um, but I mean, you know, with throwing on third and two, I don't hate, it's just when you have the running game working, I would, I'm mildly annoyed when you have the running game working and Mike Lennon is having to play for Daniel Jones, it just becomes criminal at that point. And then to top that all off with like, well, we tried 
and then to punt, but not only punt, but there was like mass confusion. I mean, Mike Lennon started walking the sideline, then he's gathering everyone yeah. back up toward, to get in the huddle. And then, then we throw everything out and then we go out there to punt and there's no timeout. So thank God we didn't waste the timeout on that, but the management is still screwed up. So what happens is Riley Dixon goes out there. They have to snap it almost immediately because there's about three seconds left once they were lined up. Punt sails into the end zone, not a gunner in sight. And you get something like a 29-yard punt out of the situation. Yeah. I mean, and that's Terrible. also that's also the embarrassing thing too about this whole entire operation, this whole entire team. It's that you're conservative, and the things at which you try to be aggressive on, which is on defense and special teams, and with these trick plays too, you fail in every single aspect. The punter stinks. You know, there was one good punt today that would think that was inside the 10 yard line and Keon Crossan made a, you know, made a nice play on, you know, getting that football. Great. Gave a six round pick to him. He better be doing good things, you know, but every single aspect of, oh, we want to try and play the field position game, but we're going to put that punt inside the end zone. And Mark Schlereth had a great point, a great point about running those trick plays, which that triple double pitch to. Yeah, that was that, ridiculous. Just so bad, and and, and I and I think also now Garrett tried to do it, but he, eh, I'm I don't know if it's a kitchen thing. I don't know if it's just an offensive thing. But Schlereth had a great point where it's tough to produce explosive plays on trick plays when nothing else on offense works. Like, what are you what, are you expecting to catch the defense off guard by doing something different when you can't produce an explosive play or a big play? to save your life to begin with? No. How They're not going to respect anything different that you're going to do. So from top to bottom, anything different that they try to do or anything that they try to retroact from having an aggressive approach, it fails on every single level. Well, I think more what's frustrating is, I mean, that trick play was ridiculous, right? I yeah. mean, you, you do a handoff who, I think it was Barkley in motion, who then tossed to somebody else. A receiver, maybe Shepard. In opposite motion, who then flipped it back to Glennon, who threw at Barkley, who continued his motion, kind of, but sort of faked like he was just done with the play. <laughs> My bigger thing is that if you, you do all that, and they had Galladay screaming downfield, um, and I'm not saying he's open, but what I'm saying is if Barkley is covered, I would have preferred Glennon at least throw it downfield. I mean, he, what he ended up doing was sack the play and just threw it at the feet of Barkley. The thing is, is that that trick play is predicated on an end around and a reverse two plays that I don't think we have successfully run this entire season. They've been disasters of plays when, whenever we've run them. So you're running a trick, you're trying to get them to bite on something that we can't run. It just doesn't make sense. Um, and I also think, again, this is like more of inviting variables in there to make things easier actually makes things harder. I mean, there's just more opportunities to screw that play up than there was to make it easier. I would rather them fail on offense by just con- not constantly is a strong word, consistently just throwing a ball up to Kenny Galladay than that, like, or consistently throwing a ball to Sterling Shepard. And if you want timing routes and, you know, we, we talk a lot of, you know, we, there's a lot of conversation about Jason Garrett's offense, how it was a timing centered offense. Sterling Shepard was the one guy who got it, who got it 80% catch rate with Jones. And I don't care who the quarterback is. Sterling Shepard is the best route runner on the giants. Fact that he had four Mm -hmm. targets today and two catches 
in a game where, in which he's back, in a game in which he's taken a few weeks to come back. He's been on track to play in the past. I don't want, you know, injuries or whatever, whatever. If you're out on the field, you're expected to play. I'd rather lose by doing that than these trick plays and not being aggressive. That That is, that's the bottom line. Four targets. I totally agree with you, and I'll do you one. I'll do you one better. I don't think Sterling Shepard was targeted until the second half, which is criminal. I might be wrong about that, but it no, certainly I think didn't you're feel right. like he was targeted I think you're early. Right. Mm-hmm. I will say I enjoy. I, I I liked the fact that whenever um, Kenny Galladay had one-on-one coverage, Mike Lennon was looking his way. Now the issue was that Mike Lennon was underthrowing him very badly. Yeah. Um, and and you said but, on, I mean, they, you they said tried, on Twitter. You said on Twitter he's not much of a burner to begin with. So the fact that Mike Lennon yeah. is underthrowing Kenny Galladay yeah. is a terrible, terrible sign of quarterback play. I think it's just his accuracy has just never been his thing. You know, it's it's a little worse than I saw on film. You don't even but, need to be you know. accurate to throw to Kenny Galladay. That's the whole purpose of signing him. The other thing too is that whenever you have a guy behind a defender, you're better off leading him than than trailing him. I mean. <sighs> If you overthrow him and he can't catch up to it, then that's one thing. But if you underthrow it, you're risking a pick on where you might have had busted coverage. So, I mean, like, it's it's just bad quarterback play. Now, it is kind of what it is in a certain sense. But, you know, things like not getting Sterling Shepard involved in this game of all games where you decided that you wanted to run uh, – not to run as much – that's criminal. I mean, if you wanted to be like, we're going to attack the fact that Asante Samuel can't play today, that's fine. But how you're not targeting Sterling Shepard more often in this game, I, I just don't understand, especially with somebody like Kadarius Tony not available to play. I don't get it. Glennon had 10 completions in a game in which the Giants were down by 20 points at one point. Giants were down by 20 hmm. points, I think, like in the third or the fourth quarter. And he had 10 pass completions. I... I, I just I I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happens. And you know, maybe to put a bow on this whole Justin Penick bitching and moaning session here. I really do think that Joe Judge deserved and ugh, deserves the opportunity to see what an offense can look like without Jason Garrett. I think he does, and there's a part of me that still think that he still deserves it because Daniel Jones is not here. But if these are going to be the tendencies in which we're seeing, I'm not even talking about scoring points. Not even talking about scoring points. Because we didn't score points against the Eagles, and I thought I liked that game from, you know, yards after the catch standpoint, and that's basically it. You know, I saw yards after the catch, which was never a thing from Jason Garrett. So that was a good first sign. But if these are going to be the tendencies in a game in which something was working and that was the running game, and you're going to have nine rushing attempts in the first half while the game still mattered, it's a bad sign. That's that's basically it. It's a bad sign to me. What do you what do you consider running situations? Do you consider them based on alignment and formation, or do you consider them on down and distance or a combination of both? I'm, I'm curious on how you evaluate what is a running or passing situation. It's a combination of both, and I think the Giants, as especially over the course of 2020 and 2021, they've had a very difficult time finding ways to get positive matchup situations to run the ball. You know, Wayne Gallman on 40% of his rushing attempts last year ran into an eight-plus man box, which is a miracle considering that he averaged over four yards per carry. You know, I, I think it's a miracle. And no running back in the NFL faced eight-plus man boxes more than Wayne Gallman last year. You know, 
I don't think that's a, I think that's a sign of the Giants not producing explosive plays and and the Giants, you know, teams just not trusting Daniel Jones that he can produce the explosive plays enough and beat teams with the blitz, Um, you know, but Giants have had a lot of trouble finding optimal situations on when they can run the ball, when it's best to run the ball, where they think that they're the Dallas Cowboys, where they can just line up and no matter what the personnel is in front of them, they can just bash the guys in front of them and take care of business, which is not the case. Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've pretended to be the Dallas Cowboys for the last two years now, so it, that doesn't surprise me at all. We we thought we could just hire a Dallas Cowboy and then just be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, it didn't work the way we thought it would. <sighs> but so. overall, I think the running game wasn't limited to Barkley, even though we got to see a little bit more of Barkley being Barkley. Um, I thought Devontae Booker had a good game too. You know, as a running back too yeah. in the league, I think he's he's – Pretty darn good. He's also better at catching than I thought. Another another game of errant passes from Glennon, you know. That's why he's better than Gallman, because I, I think he's just more complete, you know. And Morris. <laughs> yeah, and, and Morris. Um, more, <laughs> Alfred Morris had his first receiving touchdown last year. Uh, mentioned Shep and Galladay. Uh, mentioned there, you know, two for eight. Galladay was two for four. Shepard was. And it doesn't even matter their yards. Um, uh, just some other... Notes, I guess these are some stat notes. Kyle Rudolph with the longest play of his entire career, the 60-yard catch. Um, mm-hmm. Had a little, had a, he, was, he was rumbling, but a little, little faster than I than I thought he was. It was nice to see him in the open field and get the yards after the contact too. Um, any, any thoughts on that play? Cool. That was a little bit more of what I expected from Kyle Rudolph, to be honest with you. I know Giants fans thought of him more of, a, a, more of him as a blocker, but I think that was just, short-sighted i think he's more of a complete tight end than people realize you know notre dame he was much more of a receiving tight end now that was a little bit dramatic for him uh 60 yard but you know he is a guy who is pretty good against zone coverage and, and can find soft spots get open he has pretty decent hands um he's certainly very good in the red zone i don't know when we plan on uh, unlocking that part of the playbook that uh jason garrett had locked up but I wasn't overly surprised by that. And and quite frankly, from the Chargers defense, those big holes in the zone is what I am used to seeing on, on tape from this year. So I thought that would be attacking a little bit more of that. And just that just didn't happen. What I thought was more interesting would seem to be more rotation on the offensive line. We saw a switch up w- between Bredesen and Scurra at left guard. And we saw Solder and Matt Parrott rotating and I don't know that there was any injury reason why those guys were rotating. So I thought yeah. that was very interesting as well. Yeah. Parrot comes in, you know, obviously you're going to have to rewatch to fully see when guys come in and out, but I think Parrot comes in in like the second quarter and then Solder comes back in at some point and then Parrot checks back in. Um, ben Bredesen did, I think he left with an injury, which stinks because if there's one guy I think even more. I want to. I almost want to see mm. Bredesen more than Parrot, because I kind of have the understanding and like, yeah, like right tackle. I'm expecting one of those picks in the first round this year to be right tackle, and I'm kind of not gonna lie, kind of putting it. I'm kind of. I'm kind of in on Evan Neal right now, um, without watching much tape yet, but just knowing that positional value and knowing how important if you can have two bookend tackles for a long time, that's a really big thing. So, um, I kind of. I kind of have it in my brain that. Parrot's not going to be the right tackle next year, definitely. Um, but Bredesen's big because you can't replace four starters on the offensive line. You, you, you know, you, somebody's going to have to be here, and somebody's going to have to rock and roll. Um, you know, and Bredesen could be here. So seeing that he went down with that injury stunk. 
He was my giant factor. <laughs> he, he was he was your giant factor. Very very good giant factor. He is now hurt and could be out for a while <laughs> when we need to see him. When we need and to we lost him. because he's out. That's he's 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 the whole reason we lost this game. That's true. That it's very true. Um, Saquon Barkley had his best rushing day of the season. We're talking about the Giants running the ball somewhat well. Um, he had his best rushing day of the season, sixty four yards. And his previous best was 57 yards. So that's fun, thrilling, exciting. I, I, I will say, you know, since we're, we're being very critical of um, the offense beyond just the execution and the players playing um, and, and the tendencies of whatsoever, but uh, the touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley is a play call that I do like and a play design that I like very much mm-hmm. and was executed perfectly well. I know it was garbage time and it's not important, but I just – thought i'd mentioned i think that's a good play it's a i like that play looked looked good and they should do it more i mean i know saquon is uh he's not just leading running backs and drops i think he's almost he's almost up there and like leading the league in drops right now but still i mean you, you have this guy in your football team if you're gonna do these empty sets mm-hmm. put him out there you know I, i'd ra- i'd low-key rather see uh saquon barkley out there as wide receiver and him possibly getting yards after the catch and being put in space than Farrell cooper you know sure yeah, I agree. I mean, we talk about the positional value and picking Saquon second overall. The justification for that is that he's more than a running back. He's an offensive weapon. Well, he's not if you don't use him that way. So yeah. you got to at least try. If you were wrong, you were wrong, but you got to see if you were wrong. And with that play, my my thought goes to, well, they put on tape against Miami that when Saquon was lined up out wide that he would run that slant. You know, mm-hmm. he would, you know when he would stick his outside foot, towards the sideline, he would plant it, and he would cut towards the middle of the field, and that's where he had those drops. This week, he plants his foot to the outside. He fakes like he's about to run that slant, and then he just sticks it, and then he goes to the end zone, and you know he, he catches the defender sleeping there, and it's a wide-open touchdown. So, cool. I mean, let, let's say it again. Don't drop the ball, bud. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think also it's a little bit easier to catch at a wider receiver spot than coming out of the backfield, Correct. personally. Yeah. But turning my head around is not something that I always felt very easy yeah. All right, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, and um, we may even call snacks towards the end of the show comes to, it's the holiday season, and and if you don't know what to get as a gift for a stocking stuffer, well, you better get it together. Better get it together. It's coming. What 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 day is it? Today is today is December thirteenth. So you have twelve days to get it right. Today's sponsor, Manscaped, they have the tools to guarantee you to win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Still haven't looked up what that white elephant competition is. Um, it, 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 do you know what it is? Do you know what a white I, elephant I competition do. is? Do you want me to explain it while you're doing it? Or at the I, I, I do because I'm very curious and Bobby Skinner and I had the theory that it sounds like some sort of high class society thing. Do, oh, it, it's. It, have you ever heard of a Yankee trader or a Yankee swap? It's the same thing. Okay. Different name for the same thing. Heard of it, never been a part. Gotcha. I'm going to do that. So now on my bucket list. Manscaped is the leader in the men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide, if my math is correct. How many balls is that, Grump? I'm going to ask you. Oh, you have to assume that it's near 8. 8 million, you are correct. Yes. Yeah. Get 20% <laughs> off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash giants. Ho, 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 fellas, naughty or nice. Tis the season to perform and manscapes best-selling product in the performance package 4.0 it's going to help you perform and it's going to be at the top of every man's wish list this year lawnmower body trimmer the best trimmer on the market for your balls butt and body 
plus the weed whacker for your nose and ear hair. It helps with, I have nose hairs that grow out of control. That weed whacker helps me there. So what I want you to do is I want you to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash giants. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Again, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com slash giants. Thank you to Manscaped. Get that lawnmower 4.0. Get that weed whacker. Get the performance package 4.0. Grump. Defense. Mess. Mess. Mess is right. Um... I don't, I mean, I was disappointed. I, I thought that not having Keenan Allen was such a huge advantage for us. You know, Mike Williams to me is a big bodied guy, but I figured that this was a defense that could take care of that. You know, I thought there'd be a lot more zone coverage that burned really badly, putting Bradbury in man coverage on him and forcing him to try and keep up with him across the middle of the field. It was just not a situation I would have drawn up. On top of that, I mean, really, again, we like Patrick Graham, I think. I think we like most of the roster we have. Today, it looked like Dexter Lawrence was the only up on the defensive line that got off the bus. I mean, or am I wrong? I might be wrong with that. But it looked like, to me, Dexter Lawrence was the only one consistently getting into the backfield play after play. Other guys made some flashes, but I don't know. What do you think? Did anybody else really show up for you in this defense? No, I think Dexter had his best game of the season, the, the, this game. And, you yeah. know, it – the very you really have to you know really go fishing here to find to find positive talking points of this of this defense but you know Dexter did have his best game of the season he had a sack I thought it was funny because the Giants were losing by 20 and then he gets that sack and then you see that he wants to do like his celebration dance but then I think he thinks twice about it and he doesn't do it and I found Mm -hmm. that to be funny there's nothing more frustrating than seeing guys like celebrate when they're down by multiple scores it's like dude what are you doing I, I, but I, I appreciated the, the mental the mental thought process of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they suffered a lot losing Leonard Williams fairly early in this game. I'm not sure exactly when he went out, but it was before halftime he went into the locker room, came back out with that elbow uh, brace on, but he did not last in that game. In fact, he was in and out so quickly after that that I totally missed it. You had to tell me about it. So Yeah. Yeah, 107 straight games for Leonard Williams playing. Um, and, you know, he he's kind of in jeopardy of possibly missing a game. Um, I did say even when he was in the game, you know, to put more salt on the wounds for Giants fans seeing Micah Parsons having 11 and a half sacks, or I think 12 and a half now because he had two sacks today. 12 and a half sacks and then Rashawn Slater being one of the league's best left tackles. Rashawn Slater, there was a play where it was back-to-back plays where he put Leonard Williams on the ground and he put Lorenzo Carter on the ground. And it was very, very early in the game. Um, and uh, that was uh, not fun to see. It was a little, it was less shocking to see him put Lorenzo Carter on the ground. But it was the one where it was like, he's got Leonard Williams like on his knees. I thought he should have finished it. I wanted, I wanted to see Rashawn Slater finish that block and kind of lay on top of him. But uh, he, he's a good guy and he chose not to do that. So, Yeah. Um, you know, Rashawn Slater is really good. I think Giants fans would have been happy with him. Um Again, very short-sighted. Um, right. Y- you you have to remember that part of the reason we don't have him is for a pick that hasn't been picked yet. Um, and so, I mean, if, if your goal was to get to the playoffs and lose this year and then be kind of relatively at the same place, you know, then fine. Taking Rayshon Slater is probably fine. Um, I don't think anyone would have complained about it, but, you know, we have yet to compare it to – a fair comparison because we don't know what we actually got in in exchange. Um, I was, I don't know. I want your take on this. Um, 
Logan Ryan today got embarrassed pretty badly. He's going to have um, a tough day in the film room. Do you think that some of that is Logan Ryan just not being a full-time safety really, or is that some lingering effects from positive COVID maybe? Cause we saw Will Hernandez took a long time to really truly recover last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, he was, he was beat deep twice. I it almost looked like identical plays. Um, I, I think it was entirely on him too. Was any of that on McKinney? I don't think. Here's my here's my question to you because I I think of the the most notable play that I think of is when he got beat over the middle of the field. I think you know the touchdown to Guyton is maybe one that you got to rewatch and like oh should McKinney have gotten there over there more? But also that was just an insane Justin Herbert play. I don't even know if you can really pin that on anybody. Um, but there was one in the second half where he got beat over the middle of the field bad and allowed a yard a lot of yards after the catch. How often has Logan Ryan played man coverage as like this free safety for the Giants? That's my question to you. He's, you would know that better. Um, you know, they moved stuff around a whole lot, and it looked like there was a shift in how they had Xavier McKinney playing midway through the year. So, you know, off the top of my head, I don't really know. But he's been – Logan Ryan's been either in zone, it felt like, um, deep, or playing downhill. I don't really remember him in a whole lot of man coverage that brought him deep. And it's really not something that I would – I would think that I would want him in a situation like that, you know, in a, in a long stride situation, trying to keep step for step with somebody is not really a situation. I would, I would prefer Logan Ryan to be in. That would be more an Andori Jackson thing or, or somebody with a, a safety help over the top. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. It did look like um, on the, on the touchdown pass that McKinney was trying to cover the shallow thing in front of him. I don't know who it was. It, it shallower thing, I guess I should say and then kind of readjusted once he saw the throw coming and it should have been Logan Ryan on the back end, but I'd have to rewatch it and really see, you know, again, initially it looked like both plays were on Logan Ryan to me. So now why I asked that is because Logan Ryan, when he was a slot corner before he changed safeties, he got targeted a ton. Mm. I I think he was a good corner. I think he was a solid corner, but he just got targeted a ton. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're asking, I think there's a difference between asking Logan Ryan to, like you said, cover those zones and cover those spaces that are deep versus when you're asking him to kind of come downhill a little bit more, well, you're more likely to be in the television screen where it's hard for a guy like me to evaluate Xavier McKinney is number one. I don't fully know how to evaluate secondary play in all 22. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what coverage is always being run all the time. And, you know, if you're out of the TV screen, then I think you had a good play. <laughs> if, I, if I don't, if I don't see you and I don't see you trailing behind a guy, I think you had a good play. But it's those guys that are targeted in the intermediate part of the field of which we're seeing more. You see the corners, you see the linebackers kind of running after guys if you're playing zone in the middle of the field, et cetera, et cetera. So during those plays in which we saw, I guess Logan Ryan kind of coming down, playing a zone, and then he's trailing a guy after he catches the ball. That's where it looks bad, and you know. Logan Ryan, as a slot corner and as a corner in, in his career, before he switched to safety, just he got targeted a lot. That was my main gripe with him in Tennessee. Um, you know, when, when we signed him, it's like, you know, I like him, but he gets targeted a lot. So, Yeah, I agree. I actually think Julian Love had a pretty decent game today. And again, the secondary players is something you got to rewatch in all 22 because they're not on the TV screen, like you say, and just because – their guy wasn't targeted doesn't mean that they had a good rep. A quarterback just may not have seen it or pressure may have helped 
line it up. But I, I thought that, look, that Julian Love had a pretty good game today. He had a good screen breakup. It looked like the only one on the play. This was after Leonard Williams was taken in because um, he's usually very good. Him and Dexter Lawrence are very good at recognizing screen when it happens. But it looked like everyone on the defensive line whiffed on the screen. And it looked like Julian Love was the only one who recognized it, came right up, slid underneath the block to make the tackle, was actually really, really good, and then came up big again, um, I believe, to make – a tackle to prevent Justin Herbert from scoring a touchdown on a boot. I think that was Julian Love that slowed him up, and it was like Lorenzo Carter or something that cleaned it up and make it yeah. made the stop. Um, he looked pretty good today, but overall, the defense really, to me, comes down to no pressure. Yeah, and 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 also bad tackling. Tackling I knew was going to be an issue in this game. Austin Eckler is a really good runner. All three of these running backs are really good at shedding tackles. They were going to have to bring their A game tackling, and they did not today. But it wasn't horrendous either. No. Now, 37 attempts, 152 yards on the ground total, 4.1 yards per carry. Austin Eckler, 12 attempts, 67 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. Like like you said, what, what it boils down to this, this entire year with the defense, which is why... I haven't been so tough on Patrick Graham. Like a lot of people are like, oh, all oh, you are praising Patrick Graham. Well, look at this defense and in the games in which the Giants defense has been really bad. It has been really, really bad. Well, the dude, I think really this year wanted to be aggressive. Oh, yeah, he wanted to be. So I mean, De- Denver, that blitz rate in week one was like 40 percent. Nobody gets home. And if you're blitzing and nobody's getting home, then don't. Like, <laughs> then, then don't. Then just play to your team's strengths, which is not allowing the explosive play. Now, they allowed a few explosive plays today, and most notably the the dagger, which was in this game, was the Justin Herbert, you know, the the, the 60 air yard touchdown that he had. Um, you know, the biggest mistake that the Giants defense and the Giants management came into the year with this defense is misevaluating the edge room. Thinking that, oh, Shane Zimenez... Lorenzo Carter post their injuries can carry this edge room. Now, Aziz Ojolari has been exactly what I think he is, what he was going to be. And I'm very happy with that six and a half sacks. He may add a sack or two more. He's got to get those pressures and he's got to get those QB hits up, but everybody has to get the pressures and the QB hits up. It's not just him, Um, but that, that was the biggest mistake of Patrick Graham and whoever's in the building that's responsible for evaluating the roster on the defensive side of the ball. It's just thinking that this edge group, can be a competitive edge group because it is nowhere near that. And that impacts every single layer of this defense. That it impacts how they play the run and it impacts how they play the pass as well. I'll do you one better. And I'll say that I didn't like O'Shane Zimenez from the pick. Um, I mean, Lorenzo Carter was somebody that I really liked, but not just for his edge presence. I thought he looked very good in coverage. I thought he was a well-rounded guy. And I thought the third round was a good, good spot to get him. Um, and you're really anyway, I think he's lived up pretty close to his billing. If you, if you take out his Achilles injury, he's fine. You know, he is what he is. O'Shane Zimenez to me was a one trick pony at a very low level of competition. I, I didn't see what was going to make him so special. So I wasn't surprised at all to see that he didn't come to fruition. Um, I would say Aziz Ojolari has actually exceeded my year one expectations uh, by a long shot. I mean, he has the rookie sack record at this point. I mean, so. all right, now we got to we got to talk about something. <laughs> now, Bobby and Danny hate me for this. Aziz Ojolari technically does not have the rookie sack record. Do you know who technically has the rookie sack record? Oh, is this before they started recording it? Yes. Okay. Lawrence Taylor got nine and a half sacks his rookie year. He could still beat it. 
he could still beat it. Or are now, we going to asterisk because it's a longer season? Are we doing the 61 thing? No, no, thing no. Here? I don't I don't know. I I think at this point it's just you beat it, you beat it. It's the new NFL record. And you know there there used to be a point where, you know, the Dolphins went undefeated. They didn't play 16 games, not, you know. No, not but they're but they're still recognized as the only team that went perfect. So I don't want to put the asterisk of less games, more games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but people don't. So he's got to get 10. He's, he's got to get, get 10. 10. If he wants to, if he, in my brain now, in everybody else's brain, you can think that Aziz Ojolari has the record, but in, in Justin's brain, I'm also the host of a, of a history podcast. So Lawrence Taylor has the rookie sack record right now. And Aziz Ojolari is chasing him. Okay. All right. So he's got to get uh three and a half next week against Dallas. And we'll do it against Tyron it. Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at least they lined him up against Storm Norton this week. I was I was happy with that. Yeah. At least they didn't put him up against Rayshon Slater. Speaking of the time. edge room, and then this can transition us to, you know, that jaw dropping play to per, by Herbert. That was Lorenzo Carter's best rep of the entire year. <laughs> do do so? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Where Herbert he, rolls to his right, but mm-hmm. Carter. Beats Slater. He mm-hmm. bends the edge, and it's like, whoa, we haven't seen this. It's Carter's usually a guy that kind of like bull rushes. You know, he has that, I, th- I think, uh, the, the stem arm, where he has one arm that's... One uh, arm's on, longer than two, baby. You know, one you know one arm that's on, a, that's on a shoulder, and then he's pushing, he's pushing, he's pushing, and maybe he's using the other arm trying to get free. But Carter bend the edge, and he beat, he beat Slater around the edge. Nails Justin Herbert, but Herbert just delivers, you know, one of the... One of the best throws that I've seen a quarterback have against the Giants in my life. That was a beautiful throw. I don't know about all that. I have to think pretty hard about that. Um, but considering I mean, that the, he got hit, I mean, the it was accuracy just an awesome of it was yeah. was wild. It's not just the distance; it was the accuracy. I mean, he couldn't have handed it to him much better than that. Um, it was a third and eleven too, which I'm thinking Carter's about to get this. I, I even if Carter doesn't get the sack, I'm still thinking to myself, "Well, that ball's in the air." I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be incomplete. Carter got the hit. It's going to be fourth down. Giants are, you know, going to get the ball back or not allow a touchdown, whatever. And we're going to go into the half, and it's going to be ten seven. Nope, 17-7. <laughs> I, I shoot myself in the foot every time I see a quarterback do what Justin Herbert did, and it doesn't matter. It could be a Giants quarterback or the opponent. Um, whenever I see them roll out and then throw across their body deep, I audibly say without fail every time, "No way." <laughs> I say it every time and it always shoots me in the foot when it actually happens. And that one wasn't even just like a fluke. Like it happened. I mean, that was just like taking advantage of bad coverage twice. Uh, I mean, you know, at least I was home alone when it happened and I didn't embarrass myself in the stands, which has happened many times. Um, That was, if that was at MetLife, it would be one of those moments where it's like, everybody's looking at each other. Like, did you see that? Were were we, were we here for that? Um, It was not like, seriously, I do think, there's a lot of plays that you watch other NFL games and especially the primetime games where there's jaw-dropping throws that you see Rodgers make, Mahomes make, but I'm talking about specifically versus the Giants. I think that and I'm young. I'm very I'm I'm young. I think that was one of the best throws that I've ever seen a quarterback complete against the Giants. Yeah, I don't know. The ones that stick out to me are the ones that the Giants make. I mean, those are the ones I remember better because they're filled with positive yeah. memories. So, like, I, the ones that come immediately to mind that I saw with my own eyes were Larry Donnell, game winner against oh. the San Francisco 49ers, was a beautiful throw. Helmet catch Manning. 2.0. Yeah, and uh, I was also in the stands for the Beckham catch, which was actually my birthday that year. 
which wow. is pretty pretty special for me. Yeah, and and that one was one I swear you can ask the cranky fans who sit right next to me stood up and said no way. I thought he was going to throw a pick. <laughs> swear to it. Um, I do want to mention. I think we gave Judge an easy out by saying that his um his punt early on was his only screw up. I I I've been complaining about them doing directional kickoffs for two years now. I don't know why we we play with the kickoff with the new rules. Just kick it out the back of the end zone. This is the first time I saw an opponent actually use their brain and let the ball roll out of bounds. Start on the forty. I don't know why we did. Just kick it. Just kick it straight and kick it out the back. The rules are in your favor to let them start at the 25. Trying to get too cute with kickoffs, and we've been doing it all year. This is the last two years since Judge came here. Way too cute with kickoffs. Silly, silly stuff. And then the fake punt. Look. Yes. If you're going to throw on fourth and nine, do it with the best players you've got. (laughs) I'm serious. Riley Dixon to Keon Crossman. If you told me that you've drawn up a play for Riley Dixon to throw a pass to Keon Crossan for a first down, I would tell you why. Why did you bother? Just run a play. I mean, I, I would rather be upset that the backup quarterback missed a wide open yep. player than than be like, well, of course he missed the wide open player. He's the punter. You know, I I, I don't know what we're doing anymore. Um no, and, and that's why I said towards the the first half of the show when we're talking about the offense, you know, mm-hmm. and talking about Joe Judge, you, you, you almost embarrass yourself. You embarrass yourself by being aggressive in the spots in which you're choosing to be aggressive. It makes no sense where you're failing in every you're failing in every aspect of where you try to be aggressive, having your puncher throw the ball and, you know, maybe trying to gain an extra yard here or two on special teams and. Your, your punter kicks the ball out of the back of the end zone and your kicker's kicking it out of bounds, which doesn't happen all the time. But you know, when it happens, it's like, well, then you're giving them 40 yards versus 25 yards by kicking it out of the back of the end zone. So the situations in which they're choosing to be aggressive, they're failing in every regard versus, like I said to start and like you just said, let your best players make the mistakes and fail. And I'd rather just give that fourth and nine attempt to a contested catch to Kenny Galladay and actually locate the ball correctly versus totally behind him or where he's in a position where he has to play defense and smack the ball out of somebody's lap. Like, let's do that. I agree. And and I know you guys don't run a special teams podcast and, no, and I do. certainly don't either, but this is not a poor group selection of special teams players. Keon Crossan is a good special teams player. Cam Brown is a good special teams player. Yeah. Gary Brightwell isn't bad. Either. Julian I mean, Love is a very good special teams player. Absolutely. This, this is a team full of good players. The execution the problem's there. I'm putting that on coaching. And I don't know if it's just judge, but I mean, he's at the top. And so all of it comes down on you first. So. Yeah. yeah McGahee also mentioned that, uh, I think it was McGahee this week that mentioned Graham Gano's, uh, accuracy when they tell him not to kick the ball out of the back of the end zone, which is funny. Ah, uh, that is kind of funny. Also speaking of accuracy and kicking, did you ever see a replay of that field goal? No, that it, the Chargers kick that to me looked like he just totally missed. That was frustrating because I was, I think I was doing another clip for, you know, whatever maybe happened on a second or a third down and I missed it. And everybody mm. was, you, you, you were talking about, he definitely missed that field goal and, and they just never showed a replay of it. Or yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that one angle I have, I mean, I replayed it and the one angle I have from behind the uprights looked like he missed significantly. I, I trust that it couldn't have been, that way but i mean to not even give me a replay at all it seems kind of strange it had to have been close i don't know no clue no clue anything else you have on the defensive side of the ball i 
don't. Uh, I guess I was happy to see Ellerson Smith get some reps, yes. although it was on the inside, which I thought was interesting. Well, that's what they've been doing. I think they've been using Ellerson Smith as a filler for whatever stunt that they want to run. But you don't think that's his ultimate thing, right? That's just trying to get him some reps. I think so, because what I, I, it's nice, it's kind of fun to see. Like they're bringing a little bit of like NASCAR back, where at one mm-hmm. point it was Aziz on the outside, Ellerson Smith, Leonard Williams on the inside, and then Lorenzo Carter on the outside. Um, which I'm like, hey, that I, I consider that a little NASCAR. I know Leonard Williams is a big guy, but you know I want him on the field on a pass rushing down. So that was fun to see. I also thought again, and just another note. Quincy Roche, I thought, had a pretty solid game again. I think I think he's had solid games since he got here, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I can't remember a specific game where I was like, ah, he just he just didn't look like it today. Yeah. Unless I'm just remembering wrong. But there's still a lot there's a lot of work that this defense needs to do in, in addressing the edge room and addressing linebacker. You know, obviously Blake is a huge loss, but you know, even getting a line an interior linebacker too in here, that's that can be athletic or you know, dare, dare I say, you know, be somebody like a Micah Parsons where, you know, they can be versatile, where they can line up on the inside, they can line up on the outside, and they can be the Swiss Army knife. That's a very high expectation, but, um, you know, this they, this defense does, certainly does need a lot more help, um, and that's that's that. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I We did um, a two-parter I did with Victor Perez from Just a Giants Fan podcast, and oh, then again with... Um, the the cranky fan where we during the bye week where we evaluated what this team is going to look like next year and I don't know I just don't know if Blake Martinez is even going to be com- coming back next year so inside linebacker is something they're really going to have to look yeah. at because his contract situation coming off an ACL I I I think it's completely justifiable to to, to cut him loose so if they're going to do that they can't roll out there with Tay Crowder and no. whoever is in the NFL sweep yeah all right. Let's make the dough. Let's make the money. Football fans, I'm sure we all love high-action-packed, high high-scoring high NFL games. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook is available in your state yet, you can get in on all the NFL action still. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what I want you to do, I want you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code JOHNBOY, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. Restrictions apply. One per customer. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And uh, DraftKings is going to be sticking around for a little bit. We um, we re-upped a, a contract with them. So happy to have DraftKings along for the ride. Grump, I think we need, need to give a call to somebody. I am... I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. Before we start this call, I'm a little worried about the state of which Snacks is going to be, and he might be incensed by this game. I think he's okay, because a little behind the scenes, Snacks had Barstool and Roan. I don't know who this is, but I think he's he's very popular. Roan from Barstool went to Snacks' house today and filmed like a day in the life of an insane Giants fan during game day. So I want to call him and I want to find out how it went 
and the overall experience of the day. Snacks may be on Wednesday again. So don't 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 hold your breath about that. Hey buddy. Hey Snacks, you are uh live on Talking Giants with uh, the football grump. Final five minutes of the show, and uh we want to hear uh Whoa. We want to hear how your day was. Hey, this is YouTube. Wanna hear about it? Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Wanna give a little bit more detail? Well, we had boss at my house. We had uh, spaghetti meatballs and, uh, you know, everything after that. It was all natural and beautiful. I I, I plug Talking Giant, too, so. Oh, wow. To me. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. Did your father say anything that could get him canceled slash hired by Barstool because he said something really <laughs> egregious? No, so that was our biggest fear, and he didn't say anything bad at all. All right, good. He actually, he was the star of the show. Oh, I, I figured. They, they filmed more of him than they did me. <laughs> well, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean, that's that's oh, that's yeah. what they say. Yeah, I get. I guess. By the way, can I? Um, you're on YouTube right now. You're live. Yeah, we're we're live. We're recording. Let's 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 go. Uh, I I I want to I want to say this. Uh, today would have been my grandfather's 90th birthday. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. If if I had anyway. a beer, I'd pour it out. But yeah, no, it was it was a fun day. It, it can I can I day. can I say something about your grandfather? Of course. I'm glad he's not here to see this. <laughs> oh, I agree. Yeah, he would kill. He would kill me. Yeah, he he would kill you. It's all it's all your fault. Your your father gets mad at you when the Giants lose. Like it's your fault. Me and my dad fight. You almost got to a fist fight a couple weeks ago. Yes. Did you get to a fist fight today? No, not today. That would have been great content. It would have been. It would have been. But no, yeah, me and my dad usually fight every single week. Was Roan there, whoever this Roan person is? Yes, he was there. Is he a nice he guy? Oh, he's a great guy. Great guy. All right, good. Yeah. No, it, it, it was all very, very fun. They all ate. It, it, it was perfect. It is Bar still going time. to hire you now? <laughs> yeah, well, No. I'm going to work for John Ball Media. I'm not going to work for that. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, wow. I love right. it. See that? When, See is that? This, uh, when is this expected to uh, hit theaters? Uh, he said about like three or four days. So three or four I days. would assume like Thursday, maybe. All right. I love it. I love it. I love I it. Can't right. wait. So we, we may not have it for the mailbag episode, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, certainly. Uh, we could. When's the mailbag episode? Wednesday? Yeah, we were, well, we record Tuesday nights. That's the, that's the tricky thing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need to fill in, I will. I will happily help out. Yeah, I, that that may happen. Bobby Skinner's still uh having difficulty yeah, what breathing. The, what's going on? With I you? have no. I, there's there's a part of me that's starting to think that he just doesn't want to do it for the rest of the yeah, season. I, I think he just bad. hates the this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But you don't or blame. Maybe, him. Or maybe he's got cancer. No, I well, no, you well, no, that was you. Yeah, it, it, we we I, gotta. I, 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 I can say that. We got some YouTube comments today that were like, I would like this person if Bobby doesn't come back. I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's really, that's just me. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I think these people were, were entirely serious, too. They're uh, uh, Alex, Big Blue in the Bronx. Somebody uh, somebody liked him on YouTube today. And it's like, I would, I would want Big Blue in the Bronx to take over if Bobby can't come back. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. All right, so you're a superstar. I mean, you you already you're already my superstar. So, oh, that's 
it's not true. Give I me believe. give me your thoughts on the Giants game today, in a like quickly. Yeah, uh, it is one of the most pathetic performances I've ever seen in my sure. life. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm done, man. I'm are done. we are we going eight? Are we going eight and nine? No, I hope they lose every single fucking game except the Bears. That's this is very true. We have we have yet to talk about how important that game is. That that's our Super Bowl. Oh, that is literally it. Yeah, I'll we, be there. We we need to beat them. You, you, oh, Grump is going to be in Chicago for that. Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck him. <laughs> All right, I'm man. Just, I'll take a I'm picture just, for you. I, I really, I'm so disgusted, Justin. Yeah. I really am. I'm so disgusted. Well, I'm a little bit more disgusted with with Judge and that whole process. So, well, uh, you get to listen to that in the first half of the show. Snacks, I appreciate you calling. Um, we probably will hear from you Tuesday night and Wednesday for the mailbag episode. Okay, my friend. Sounds beautiful to me. I love you, buddy. Love you. All right. Goodbye, snacks. All right. There you go. That's snacks. Barstool went to his house today. So he says right now that he hopes they lose every single game, but I have a feeling uh, on the 19th in the parking lot, he's going to be a different person. Sunday morning, he will tweet. Sunday morning, he will tweet, we are going 8-9. Yeah, I I think you're right. I've seen him in action, and I have a good feeling for how it might go. Absolutely. All right. You know what? I'm making an executive decision. You do it. I am pushing the ad that we have from John Boy Media to Wednesday. I'm not running it. There you go. You heard uh, it here first. They, uh, nobody, nobody, nobody big from the company listens to this, so I can make that executive decision. Um, I will put the – how about this? I will put the audience, John Boy Media audience survey in the description. If you want to complete it for 20% off any item on the, on the Talking Giants John Boy Media store, do that. It will be in the description. There you go. That's it. Grump. Closing thoughts, closing statements. Thank you for joining us. Well, uh, my closing thought is if if Bobby can't um, continue on with this podcast, that I am clearly the best choice to come in here. Um, I believe I'm the fifth rotation guy, you know, for, for TG. I'm not an official John Boy my, uh, guy, but I, I met a dude and I shook his hand, I think, maybe. So that counts. Uh, as far as the game goes and this team goes – I'm not really going to lose my mind over any game Daniel Jones doesn't play in uh, except for decisions that Joe Judge makes. And uh, this was another game in which there were some head scratchers in there, though admittedly less so than prior. So I'm going to try and not be too down on it. Keep looking at the young guys. And, hey, Matt Parrott got some playing time and didn't look like a total disaster. So, unfortunately, that's where we are now. And if you want a more – educated review of this game our episode comes out tuesday morning uh it's just giants pod on twitter and on youtube you can just look up just giants podcast you can find me there i've been putting the links in the description um podcast apps podcast descriptions and then youtube you've had youtube descriptions just giants they have a youtube channel and they do i I know you do some other supplemental stuff too um, along with the podcast, you know, at, at, at certain points, or at least when it's worth it. Um, <laughs> you nailed it right there, man. That's a lot of work to do that stuff. It started getting not worth it. And it, it started so. to get not worth it. So, um, Grump, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we got four games left, and I enjoy watching the Giants. Um, you know, obviously, they're excruciating to watch, but, you know, football's different from a lot of other sports, you know, in the in the world. Where, you know, hockey, there's 80-some games. Basketball, there's 80-some games. Baseball, there's 
162. You know, our Giants, we get six or 17 times, and uh, this year we get eight home opportunities to watch them. So I'm going to enjoy it um, as much as I possibly can, and we will see you Wednesday for a mailbag episode. And until then, let's go Big Blue.